Welcome to the Sermon Podcast for Canton Church. We gather every week in Canton, Georgia to worship and grow together through God's Word. We exist because generations matter. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. How are we doing? We good? Hey, I'm glad you're here today, and I appreciate those of you that have kind of moved your schedule around to be here in this service. You already heard Pastor Trevor say, uh, we'd love for you, if you can, make that jump to 8.30. I know if you're going to do it, just rip the band-aid off, come on time, change Sunday next week. Uh, but uh, no, we, we, we appreciate you. You kind of adjusted your schedule because we didn't have a 10 o'clock service last week. So whether you came a few minutes later or you came a little bit earlier, we're thankful for you. Thankful that you're here. Our heart, which you'll hear a little bit more about today, our heart is always to make sure that we keep in balance our desire to serve those who are here and to keep our eyes towards those who are not here yet. And so we want to make sure that our heart stays sensitive to that. And so we'll constantly be looking for ways to create more space for those who aren't here yet. And so we're thankful for that. We're thankful that you're here. Uh, over the last few days, uh, Corey and I, my wife, we went to New York City. I referenced a little earlier in our service that uh, my kids stayed with the grandparents. Our anniversary was actually in December, but to kind of work out childcare for four kids was a little bit difficult, especially during the week when they've got school and ball practice and all kinds of stuff during the week. And so it just just worked for the grandparents schedule to come this last week and so they came and stayed at our house and got the kids where they needed to be and so we went to New York City for four days it's kind of our home away from home we love it we've been several times we wouldn't want to live there but we love to visit there uh, and so we went we did all the touristy stuff we've been several times so we were able to kind of enjoy some of those things much slower pace and a few of the different environments we went to on Monday on Wednesday and on Thursday but then on Tuesday we kind of left the city I found a great place where we could shuttle from the city they picked us up right there in Times Square at like 6 a.m. on Tuesday morning, and they, they shuttled us to upstate New York, and we went skiing on Tuesday. What you don't know about my wife is that she is a phenomenal skier. Uh, I, not so much, uh, but I love my wife. I don't really love skiing. I love my wife, and so we went skiing, and so people all day were looking at me like, sir, are you lost? Um, but they were looking at her like, ma'am, are you in the X Games? Are you an Olympian? And so that was kind of annoying, but other than that, like, <laughs> We had gone up the chairlift, you know, a couple of different times and gone to the right and gone to the right and right and gone to the right. And so we went down these hills that I felt like I could manage and I had done really well, much better than the previous time we had gone skiing. I hadn't fallen. I had really done well and I was so excited about that. So we're riding the lift one time and I was like, hey, let's go left. She was like, are you sure? I'm like, babe, I got this, okay? I ain't got it. Okay, so we got off. We went to the left and immediately upon going left, we saw the sign, Black Diamond. And if you're not familiar with skiing, that's like hell on earth is really what that is. And so we go left, and here's what it is. It's a straight downhill on ice is really what it is. You're ice skating straight down the hill. And so I'm trying my best. Corey's like, phew, she's gone. I'm going back and forth. I mean, like I am just trying to survive. And so there's this one spot that as I'm going left and I cut back to the right, I get my skis crossed just a little bit, and I hit a patch of ice. I was doing give or take four or 500 miles an hour at this point, and so I got my skis crossed just a little bit. I hit the patch of ice, and I went flying. It was like slow motion. I mean, Sports Center not top 10. It, I'm flying through the air. So I thought, I'm athletic. I can correct this in the air. And so I stuck my pole to try to catch myself I would have won silver medal in 08 in Beijing for pole vault because I flew through the air. Corey is at the bottom of the hill laughing at me. No compassion whatsoever in her. 
And, and honestly, like, I'm still a little sore on my right side, if I'm being honest. We watched a couple of Broadway shows on Wednesday just to let me sit still for a little while because I was so sore. But one of my favorite things to do in New York is to ride the subway. How many of you have ever ridden a subway in a major city? Uh, I love riding the subway because you kind of get to experience all of the city at one time on one train. <laughs> because we walked down the steps into the subway station one of the times, and, and honestly, I felt like I was a judge on The Voice because I heard this incredible singing at the bottom of the steps. And when I got there and turned and saw her, like I thought, that's not at all what I thought she would look like. It was, it was amazing. And then we got on the train, and in one of the, one of the trains that we rode on, there were a couple of guys that got on, started singing, walking around, trying to get money. But we just had a lot of fun riding the subway. And I asked them to throw up the map of the New York City subway system. Now, you, you probably can't see this, but all these different line colors are different train lines. So they take you from the, you know, from the south end here of the boroughs all the way up to the north end. You can go east to west and west to east. You can go all these kind of different ways. All these little different like circles are different stops. And so sometimes you've got to get on a train and you've got to ride it to a place where you can catch a different train going in another direction to a different destination. And so you've got to really pay attention. I'm, I'm not honestly sure how people did it before Google Maps because I would just put it in Google Maps and it would like buzz in my pocket, like get off now. One time, Corey was up in front of me. We were getting onto the train and I was a little bit behind her and I was trying to be a gentleman. So I let somebody else kind of get in and Corey's on the train and the doors start to shut. And so I just turned into a New Yorker. I just kind of stuck my leg and my arm in the, in the door. It closed on me and like my arm and leg are stuck. And I'm like, okay, I'm just going to lose an arm and a leg. But I was just, I just stayed there until the lady open that I'm just pushing my way in and I told Corey here's the rule I'll go ahead and let you on secret too this is my rule when we're on missions trips when we're traveling if you get separated from your group don't ride all the way to your destination because that's a long way away go to the very next stop get off and wait on me that's the rule so I told Corey if this ever happens again go to the next stop get off wait on me I'll ride it down one stop I'll get off and we'll get together so that was kind of my rule I just do that so I love the subway here's what I love about subways beyond just kind of getting to see all of the city you got to know where you're going and you got to know that the train you're on is going to that destination I mean there are some of these colored lines that even though it's headed in your direction, it doesn't stop at your stop because it's an express train. It takes you all the way past your stop to another destination that's farther down the line than you want to go. And so today what I thought we would do is we would open up this series called The Core by making sure that you are on the right train. And that if you're on the right train, that you know where this train's headed. Here at Canton Church, we talk about this idea that because generations matter, we exist because generations matter. I want to I unpack that a little bit for you, but I also want to talk over the course of the next few weeks about our heart. This core is really our core values, and our staff's going to help me on, over some of these weeks to really share with you our heart. But this is not just about us. This is really about you. This is determining the core values of your life. This is really making sure that who we are and who you are are in alignment. And if not, we want to help you kind of take the steps to find a place that you are aligned because here's what we're going to attempt to do over the next few weeks. We're going to attempt to create so much clarity as best we can, so much clarity that at the end of these four or five weeks, you're going to go, I absolutely believe beyond any shadow of a doubt that I am called to be at Canton Church. And for some of you, there may be that sense at the end of these four or five weeks, you know what? I love what you're doing. I love what God's doing, but I just don't think it's for us. Here's what I learned on the subway. At every stop, some people got on and some people got off. And there may be in this season a desire for you to kind of to be led by the Lord 
to another location. And I'll help you. I want to help you get connected and plugged in and planted into another life-giving church if you don't believe that that's here. But we believe what God is doing here is an amazing move of God's presence and his power and his spirit here among us. And so for us, we want to make sure you have as much clarity as possible. Proverbs chapter 29 verse 18 says this, Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he who keeps the law, blessed is he. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he who keeps the law... Blessed. See, look at this in the message translation, same verse. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. When people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. Some translations of this verse say, where there is no vision, people perish. Some say they cast off restraint. Some translations even say they do whatever they want to do. And so for us, what we want you to understand is who we are and what we believe the vision that God has given to us and how that matters to you, why that matters to you, and how that's fleshed out here. So that's what we're going to do over the next few weeks. But here's what I want us to do. I I recognize that there's a lot of great churches in our community. There's a lot of great churches in our nation. And I recognize as we start talking about our church, you may say, well, yeah, I mean, that sounds similar to another church, or that sounds completely different to another church, or maybe the church I grew up in. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to close your eyes just for a second. Just for a second, I promise nobody's going to step up to where you're at. Nobody's going to approach you. Nobody's going to steal your wallet. Maybe I'm just thinking New York there. But keep your eyes closed for just a second. I want you to envision the sunset. Think about the sunset, whatever that sunset is. Maybe it was the sunset last night. Maybe it's the one over the the ocean when you're on vacation or over the mountains. Maybe it's the sunset you see when you're driving uh, on 575 at night, right around that time of day. Maybe it's the one that you see in your backyard when you look out the window. All right? Open your eyes. Look at me. I don't know what you saw. But I recognize in a room like this, in a room this size with this many people in the room, you probably saw something in your head that's completely different from what everybody else in the room saw. So here's the question. Which one's right? Which one's right? All of them. Right? They're all right. What you saw in your head and what the person beside you saw in their head that's different, which one's right? They all are. All right, now close your, close your eyes just one more time. One more time. All right? Now picture the church. Maybe it's the little church you grew up in. Maybe it's the little Baptist church you got saved in. Maybe it's the church you got married in. Maybe it was Sequoia High School when you came to join us for the first time. Maybe it was this building. Maybe it was something else, some big church, some small church, whatever. Just picture the church. Now open your eyes. I don't know what you saw, but which one's right? They all are. If they, if they believe who Jesus is, who God is, like there may be things that we disagree on, but they're right. Right? There, there's, there's more that we agree on in the churches in our community and most of the churches that we're connected. There's more that we agree on than we disagree on, and yet we tend to focus on and argue about those one or two or three or five things that we disagree on rather than to focus on the 150 things that we agree on. Right? And so for us, we want to make sure that we're focusing on the right things. But here's what you need to know. For us, we have a very clear picture, as clear as God has revealed it to us, about what the sunset looks like here at Canton Church. And for us, we want you to know what that sunset looks like so that you can be rooted here and planted here and invest your life here to help us see the fulfillment of what God wants to do here at Canton Church. It doesn't make us better. It doesn't even really make us completely different in some respects. We offer some of the same things that you see at other churches. But what God wants to do uniquely here is different because what we believe in the New Testament is that there is this incredible picture of the body of Christ that it has various parts and various functions. And there's some churches in our community that are incredible at music 
worship. They're incredible preachers and teachers of God's word. They're incredible at children's ministry or student ministry or missions or outreach or just name your, name your various men. They're incredible at just uh, corralling people and gathering people together and changing lives through the power of God in those various ministries. But we also believe that God has uniquely gifted us here to do some specific things. But it comes from this vision for us about generations matter. And that's really found in Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. I've asked them to put this up on the screen for us. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 1 and 2 says this. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you and so that you may enjoy long life. Now, here's what you need to know. In this passage, this is God speaking to Moses, who is leading the children of Israel during this season of their history. They're coming out of the captivity of Egypt, and they're walking towards, they're trying to get to the promised land that God has promised to their forefather, Abraham. That promise, that covenant that God made with Abraham was about a land that they would inhabit. It was that he would make them a great nation, a people, but it was also that he would bless all the nations of the world through them. So you and I are blessed and benefit from the relationship because of what God promised to Abraham for the children of Israel. And as a part of this in Deuteronomy chapter 6, what God is saying to Moses is you're going to go into the land. And when you get there, you need to obey me. And that's for you, your children, and your children's children, the blessings that I will give to you. I will bestow long life on you. I will bestow the blessings of that land on you. And it's for you, your children, and your children's children. And what we have said here is that we believe that the journey of faith that you are on, wherever you're on that journey, is not just about you. That this journey of faith that you find yourself on is about you and your children, whether you have them now or not, whether they're grown or not and your children's children. Whether you have children's children or you are a child, we believe that that faith journey you're on is about more than just you. And what we see at the end of this is that keeping all his decrees and commands, keeping all your obedience is actually about more than you. Your obedience is about more than you. Your obedience is actually about your children and your grandchildren. One day, people will thank God because of you, and that's why I'm thankful that you're here today, that you are sitting in the seat that you're sitting in, because it, it tells me that you've prioritized coming and being together in a corporate worship experience with other people who are on some type of faith journey. Not everyone takes that priority, makes that priority to be a part of a corporate gathering like this, but I'm thankful that you are. I get this question from time to time, you know, can I go to heaven if I don't go to church? And my answer is like, probably, but why would you want to? Because so much of what we understand about heaven is similar, at least in philosophy, of what we experience in the corporate worship experiences of earth. Not exactly, not exactly the same, but it's about lifting high the name of Jesus. It's about pointing our attention and our heart towards him. It's about making sure that we recognize that he is the center of everything that we are. So why would you not come into corporate gatherings that express that kind of love and devotion towards God if that's where you want to end up and spend eternity. And so, yeah, you probably can, but I think there's some value in that corporate expression of gathering together for worship. Here's what we find in Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 24. It says this, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day 
approaching. The day there is capital D. It's the idea that as you see the day of God's return, Jesus Christ coming back to receive his bride, his church, that day is capitalized. So as we see that day approaching, don't get away from meeting together. Don't give up in the meeting together. Why? Not so you can hear a good sermon, not so you can hear good music, but so that you can encourage one another and spur one another on towards love and good deeds. You actually perform a function for the other people in the room when you're here. And when you're not here, we miss you and we're lacking in the fullness of that experience because of the love and good deeds that you encourage us to do. So it's important that you're here. It's important that you fill the chair that you're filling now. I've talked about it before, but we have in our house, we have a brown chair. When we were pregnant with Cooper, our oldest, uh, my mom bought that chair for us. It was kind of one of the bigger, like, rocker, recliner, you know, swivelly chairs. It's not like the little rocking chair that's wood. Like, it's cushioned. It's, it's comfortable. It had a matching ottoman. And so it was sat in the nursery for uh, all four of our kids, for Cooper, for Branson, for Tucker, and for Kinley. As they got a little older, we moved that chair into our bedroom. It sits in the corner of our room. And I sit in that chair pretty regularly. I read in that chair. I write in that chair. I love to just sit in that chair. It, it's, a, it's a chair that really connects me to the emotions of my role as father and really has so many memories for me of the times that I would sing our kids to sleep, rock our kids to sleep, pray over our kids, help to feed our kids. I mean, just so many emotions that are connected to that chair. I also feel that connection because my mom bought it for us. It doesn't mean we'll have it forever, but you know, there was something that I'm connected to there. There are other chairs in my life that hold importance. There's a chair downstairs in our kitchen. We have this little kitchen table. We have a dining room table somewhere else, but a little kitchen table, and there's some chairs around that table, and, and I have my chair. Now, we don't have assigned seats there, but, you know, if my kids are setting the table, they kind of know. Dad sits there. I sit there. Mom sits there. Like, you just kind of know that's where we sit, and so I've got a chair that sits there around that table, and we don't do it every night. But as many nights as we can during a given week, we try to sit together and eat dinner together, even if it's just kind of pausing in proximity to one another, you know what I mean? Like in between sports and school and all the other activities and all the other things, like we come together and we eat dinner and we ask two questions. What was your favorite thing that happened today? What was your least favorite thing that happened today? And we give our kids an opportunity to express themselves and to learn what it means to have good days and bad days but not allow that to completely distort your reality. And so we process that together. And then they ask us, Dad, what was your favorite thing today? What was your least favorite thing today? Mom, what was your favorite? And so we do. And so I love that chair, not because of that chair. It's not the most comfortable chair in the world, but because that chair represents the relationship with my family in this season. The shared experiences, the conversation, the things that my children are talking about, the things that are good, the things that are bad. And so that chair represents the relational things that are happening with us in this season. I have another chair that I love. And it's the chair that's sitting right over here. It's got a water bottle on it right now. I love that chair, not because it's that chair, because we manipulate the room a lot. Tonight, we'll have over 180 people in the room for couple to couple, and we'll be sitting around round tables, and so we move all the chairs and put tables and put the So next week, when I'm sitting right there, that chair actually may be over there, and the chair that I'm sitting in next week may be right back there right now, but it's the place where that chair is because it really connects to the part of my purpose to lead God's people here at Canton Church. And Corey and I love this place. And we're invested here for the long run. Like, we're thankful. My, my goal, I've told you, my goal is to dedicate the children of the children I'm dedicating now. That's my goal. That's what I'm asking God to give me opportunity to do. We've had other opportunities to go other places. We've, we've been given opportunities to, for churches that are large. This is where we believe God has planted us. And, and we, we're thankful for that. And so why am I talking about chairs? 
You're like, this is the weirdest thing you've ever, well, probably not the weirdest thing I've ever talked about, but this is a weird thing you're talking about. Because chairs has always been a part of the story of Canton Church. When we were first looking in 2011 for a place to meet, we were looking at various places, and we looked at Sequoia High School, which is where we ended up going, and we were trying to figure out, did they have enough chairs for us? And so we felt like they did, and so we were looking at other things, and we felt like that's a great place for us to meet. So we moved into Sequoia High School, and we spent about four and a half years there. And then when it was time for us to move, we found this location, and we thought, hey, we don't have chairs. We tried to take the ones from Sequoia, but they're bolted down theater chairs. They wouldn't let us do that. We didn't try to take them. I'm just kidding. We had some people, but they don't go to church here anymore. Um, <laughs> so one of the first things we had to do when we came to this place was we, were, we had to buy chairs so that if you came here, you'd have somewhere to sit. And then a little over a year ago, we expanded the space, and we had to buy more chairs, so more people had more seats to sit in. And the reason we've added a third service is to create more empty seats for people to come and sit in, because what I said to you a few weeks ago when we were talking about the need to move to, multiple, to adding some additional services is because we know too many people that still don't know God. And we will continue to keep our eye towards those that aren't here yet to create empty space for God to fill it. So as it relates to chairs, I want to address three questions that I get pretty regularly. And to the best of my ability, answer those questions the best that I can today with the information that I have today. I want to answer three questions that I get pretty regularly. Here's the first question. Will we add additional services? And if so, how will we decide? And that's one question. I know it's two questions. If you're an English major, you're kind of sweating right now. But that's one, one question here. Will we launch more services? And if so, how will we decide? The answer is yes, we will launch more services. If you're good with math, right, after three comes four, and after four comes five. Because here's the deal. As long as we're in this space, which we're going to talk about in a minute, we're kind of landlocked. This is kind of what we have. And so we're going to get as creative as we can and come up with as many ways as we can to, to, to serve more people. But yes, we are going to launch more services. I don't know how that'll look. I don't know if it'll be 8 and 9.30 and 11 and 12.30 and 2 and 3.30 and 5. I don't know. I don't know if I can preach that many times in a row. But I'm just saying, God, whatever you want us to do, like we're open to that. Or if we'll do two Sunday morning and two identical Sunday afternoon services with a little break in the middle, I don't know. We're just saying, God, whatever it is that you're doing, like give us wisdom, give us discernment, help us to determine and distinguish what you have for us, and we'll say yes, because this is your story, not ours. How will we decide? Prayerfully. We don't just kind of add a service because we want to add a service. There's a lot that goes into making that a reality, and so we, we want to prayerfully consider what it is that God is saying to us, and so there's a little bit of a critical mass you need to start a new service. Like, if it was just me and you showing up for like a 345 in the afternoon service, like, we probably stop that after a little bit, right? And so you need a little critical mass, and so we try to make that determination based on the metrics that we kind of follow. And, you know, so you say, okay, well, then when we get to 100% capacity, no, no, no. As soon as we get to 51% capacity, we start having that conversation. Here's the reason. When you go to a movie, you don't like to sit next to people you don't know, right? You want to sit with your family, but you want at least one buffer seat. I think I made that term up. But you want a buffer seat between you and the people you don't know. Unless you're like super extroverted, right? If you're a seven on the Enneagram or you're like, you know, E, 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 E on the extra. Like you just, you're walking up, you're like, hey, how you doing? I'm Jeremy. This is going to be a great movie. I'm really excited about this. Can we trade cell phone numbers before we get started here just in case the power goes out and we need to communicate out? Unless you're like that, you want the buffer seat, Right? So once we get to 51%, we say, okay, that means that there's now about a seat in between every person. We start adding family units. We immediately start gobbling up some of those seats. And so once we get to 70 or 80% capacity, we say it's time to start a new service. 
And that's our metric. That's the numbers that we kind of use. And so we're, we're looking at all that. We continue to look. We're over that capacity number right now. We'll see how 1130 shakes out. We'll see what happens. But we'll continue to seek the will of God for what that looks like for us. So that's one question. The second question is this. When will we have our own building? Now, when you ask that question, I'm not sure what you mean. Do you mean when will we have land and build our own building from the ground up? Or when will we buy an existing building? Or when will we retrofit something that we own? If you don't know, we don't own this space. We rent this space. We do not own this building and just kind of rent stuff out to Anytime Fitness. And no, we're, we're, we lease this space. And so as you talk about that, you try to determine, like, what is it? When will we have our own space that we own? And the answer is, yes, we're going to do that at some point. We have a few years left on our lease, and as we determine that timeline, we believe that we're still in that window where we've got a lot of options. And what we have determined is that wherever God guides, he provides. That's been our experience. And so as God is guiding us, he's going to provide that space for us. He provided this space. He provided Sequoia. He will continue to do that. And so for us, we're determining, like, what does that look like for us and we continue to have discussions with our leadership, our trustees, and so we'll continue to do that. But if you're asking, like, one day will we build a building big enough with one big room for all of our church to fit in, the answer is no. That's not what we'll do. Because I don't think we can afford to build a building that seats 424,000 people. <laughs> I mean, maybe if, you know, we increase our giving, maybe, I don't know. But until we have enough seats... For every lost person within driving distance, like we're just going to build a building that matches the needs of our congregation at that point in time in our history, and we're going to do multiple services there so we can serve one and attend one, which is our, we don't want to add services unless there's a pair so that if you're serving in kids or in another environment, you can serve one and then you can also attend a service and not have to come back another time or another day or whatever. And so we'll, we'll create that kind of structure when we, when we look to build or buy something. And so, yeah, we're going to do that. And what that looks like, we'll continue to seek the wisdom of God. We'll continue to communicate with you, and we'll let you know what we believe God is leading us to do. Here's the third question I get. Will we plant other campuses and other churches? The reason being, if you know our story, about seven years ago or so, we launched as a campus of another church. And then after about four and a half years, God led us to be kind of branched out and launched out to do something different. And so we did that in August of 2017. We became a standalone church. We were planted by that other church. That's a phrase kind of in the church world. We were planted or launched out to become autonomous. And so the question is, will we do that one day? And the answer is yes. We want to launch campuses and other parts of our, our region where there might not be life-giving churches in that part of the region, and we want to put a life-giving church there to reach the people of that part of the community with the message of Jesus Christ. Some of those may, may, may become campuses that stay campuses forever. Some of those may be autonomous churches from day one or be campuses that become autonomous churches like we have become. But our heart and our desire, listen to me, is to create empty chairs so that your sons and daughters and your moms and dads and your grandparents and your nieces and nephews and your coworkers and the kids on your ball team and your barista and the guy that checks you out. At, I mean, like he cashes, he's not checking you out. Like he's cashing, you know understand what I'm saying? <laughs> that guy at Publix, right? And your dry cleaner and the lady that lives across from you in the cold. Like we want to create space so that when the spirit of God impresses upon you to say, hey, it's time to have a spiritual conversation with them. You invite them to come to church. And when they get here, they find an empty chair for them. That's what we're trying to do. We want to create empty space and continue to ask God to fill that empty space. That is our heart's desire. We want to use the spaces that we have for 
the church, and for the community. That is our heart's desire. And so you would say, okay, well, I I get it. That's what the church is about. But what about me? What is it that I'm supposed to do in this season? It could be that as you listen to me talk about generations mattering, you go, hey, I love it. More power to you. But I think I'm supposed to get off this train now. That's okay. I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, if you knew me better, you would know I'm being 100% honest with you right now. I promise you, I'll help you find that next place. I promise I will. But if you say, hey, I'm on the right train, and I believe that where this train is headed, I'm supposed to be a part of that, then here's what I'm asking you to do. Don't just stick your leg in the door. Don't, don't just throw your arm in the door and go, okay, I'm in. Because you're not really in. You're just kind of in. Here's what I'm saying to you. Get fully bought in here. Like, I can't give you a money-back guarantee. We have that in giving. We have what we call the 90-day tithe challenge. You can go to our website, click the Give tab. If you say, I'm not tithing, which is the 10% that we believe from Scripture, I'm not tithing, but I want to trust God and test God, which is what Scripture says, you fill out that form. It's an online form. It's confidential. You begin tithing. At the end of the 90 days, if you come to me and say, hey, I don't believe that God kept his word. I don't believe that I got out of tithing what I believe scripture tells me I'll get out of. We will write you a check for every penny you gave during that 90 days. No questions asked. But I can't give you a money back guarantee on your experience. I can't give you a money back guarantee on life change. So here's what I'll commit to you. I guarantee, I guarantee you that if you will take the next year of your life and fully invest yourself, if you'll say, hey, I'm in, If you'll come to church as a priority, not just when it's convenient, but if you will commit yourself to be here as often as you possibly can, if you'll jump into a group so that there's community together so that you can encourage other people and they can encourage you in your spiritual faith walk, if you use your passions and your gifts to jump onto a serving team and serve other people that come and are finding a place here as well, If you'll invest yourself financially in the resources that God's entrusted to you to help us to fund the kingdom work here, I guarantee you a year from now, your life will be better. I promise you. You say, you can't promise that. I promise you. Because what I believe is that what God is doing here that's similar to what God is doing at other places is about him at work through his people. And there is something about you investing yourself fully into an environment like this. Your marriage will be better. Your, your, your relationship with your children will be better. I believe that your work environment will change. If you fully engage yourself here and will be better too because you're here, will be better. Our church will be better. You will have encouraged us and spurred us on towards love and good deeds. I promise you it will happen. Look at this last scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2. This is what it says. I tell you, Now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Now is the time of God's favor. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Now's the time. The time is now. There's a seat that you're filling right now. And I'm telling you, like, make that your seat. Let your kids know nobody sits in that chair except me, unless it's a guest, and then I'll move over and make room for them, right? I'll give up my seat at 10 and move to an empty seat at 8.30 so more people can come and find a seat at 10. 
because I am invested here. Now is the time of God's favor. What are you waiting on? Fully give yourself, your life to this place and to God. And I believe that God will do incredible things that will absolutely blow your mind. You don't accidentally live a more godly life. You don't accidentally have a more God-centered marriage. You don't accidentally have a better relationship with your children. You do it by intention. And it requires that we are intentional about getting into relationship with God and investing ourselves in a place like this. I'm on the train. I'm not driving the train. God's driving the train. But I'm on the train. And I believe where this train is headed, God is going to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or imagine. We tend to overestimate what we can do in the short term, but we tend to underestimate what we can do in the long term. I don't know what the next six or eight or 12 weeks look like, but get ready. But I am telling you that over the next 20 or 30 or 40 years, if the Lord should allow me to be here in this place, and he, he breathes breath into my lungs every single day for me to be here to experience the story that he's writing through Canton Church. I believe thousands upon thousands upon thousands of our neighbors and our coworkers and our friends and our families and our sons and our daughters and our children's children will be forever changed because we decided that it was worth the investment. We decided, absolutely. So right now, I just want you to bow your head, close your eyes just for a moment. Nobody looking around. If you would say to me today, Jeremy, for me, I recognize, I know that my obvious next step is to step into relationship with Jesus Christ. He's not my Lord and Savior. I recognize I am apart from him and I need to change that reality. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. It doesn't make you weird. It doesn't make you unique. Welcome to the club. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God is what Romans chapter 3 tells us. And so today, if you recognize your sinful state and you say, hey, I want to receive all that God has for me, beginning with salvation, let's make that happen today. Would you lift your hand right where you're at? Thank you so much. Anybody else? Thank you so much. Now, if you would say to me, Jeremy, for me, it's not about salvation, but I'm asking God to give me a vision for my life. I'm asking God to give me vision so that I, I don't perish. I don't throw off restraint. I don't just do whatever I want to do. I'm asking for fresh vision from God for my life. If that's you, would you just lift your hand right where you're at? Thank you so much. God, we thank you today that you're a God who gives vision. You're a God who does exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or imagine. And so, God, I thank you today for what you're going to do in this place. I thank you, God, for the people who are trusting you today for salvation. They're trusting you today with their eternity. And so, God, I thank you that you forgive sins and you become our Lord. God, thank you for this moment now that will change their eternity forever and by extension will change the generations of their family. And God, I pray now for every person that asks you to give them fresh vision for their lives. Breathe your breath. Breathe that vision into them. God, give them a clear sense of who you're calling them to become. And God, I ask you that they would have the strength and conviction and the courage to chase after you with all of their heart. God, we thank you for what you are doing. We thank you for what you will do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for listening. 
If you would like more information about today's message or about our church, we invite you to visit us at cantonchurch.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash cantonchurchga. 